This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode... We talk to Zachary Zane about pegging and ask, what's in it for the pegger? The women who have pegged me absolutely love it. They love that feeling of control, and I love being able to give that to them. Whether pegging and homosexuality are linked. A sexual act in and of itself just doesn't make you gay or bi or anything. It is your attractions. And how once you've started, it's hard to stop. I ended up becoming a Pandora's box that only makes you want to open, because now every time we'd have sex, they'd like, stick something up my ass. I want this orgasm feeling good. Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Digby Waite and I'm joined as always by accredited sex and relationship therapist Kate Campbell. Hello mum. Hello Diggs. Today's episode is a very fun one. We speak to the fantastic Zachary Zane about all things pegging. It's bloody brilliant isn't it mum? It's really good yeah. Brilliant. I can't wait. So we talk about why people peg, we talk about how to peg and we also talk about the stigma surrounding pegging. So guys a warning today's episode is very graphic. We talk about harnesses, phallic objects, bums and poo, often in that order. So if that sounds like too much, here's your chance to leave. Well, that's going to encourage people, isn't it? That's going to make more people join. Well, I was going to ask, actually, whose idea was it? And now I'm starting to think it was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) Whose idea was it to talk about pegging? Was it mine or yours? I don't know. I mean, in my head, it's simultaneous. I think pegging has become a lot more popular and people are a lot more interested in it. Mm. And there are a lot more articles around and people talking about it and a few celebrities have mentioned it. And we've talked about it a few times on the pod as well. Mm. So, I think it was time that we gave it a good going over, as you would say. <laughs> exactly. It's actually so weird because I woke up this morning, went on my phone, looked at Reddit because I'm a nerd, and I went on the front page of the subreddit R Dating, and user Hyperview16 posted something that almost perfectly showed why I wanted to talk about this today. They said, not to kink shame, but the increased amount of guys expressing an interest in being pegged is dot, 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 interesting. They went on to say... I've matched with five guys in the past three weeks who've brought up unsolicited their desire to get pegged. And the comments just flooded with people saying the same thing. And like, I feel like I've sensed a rise in the amount of people talking about pegging and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's very interesting because, I mean, when couples in sex therapy, for instance, or just in relationship therapy, talk about anal sex, and sometimes a guy expresses an interest in this, I always ask the partner if they also experience an interest in pegging the guy Mm. and sometimes the guy goes oh no 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 not me Mm. no 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 that wouldn't be natural that wouldn't be normal and 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 actually why ever not 
And, and, you know, even some people in same-sex relationships with vaginas like to use a strap-on and peg, Mm. if you like. It's just becoming a bit more popular Mm. and Mm. mainstream and and why ever not? Yeah, and I I did some actual research into this because I was like, surely it's not just my head that it's getting more popular. You'll be proud of this as an educator. You'll be proud Mm -hmm. of this. I did some extra research. I went on Wikipedia no don't no no, yeah so good i mean as long as we've got some you know good peer-reviewed stuff which we haven't (laughs) and apparently it starts in 1795 with someone called the marquis de sade who was a french nobleman philosopher and writer famous for his libertine sexuality where he describes pegging as an act in his 1795 book the philosophy in the bedroom marquis de sade sadism isn't it marquis de sade ah oh that makes sense yeah he's quite famous he's quite famous dude well i might have to check that book out because it sounds amazing but that was 1795 and to be fair the pop culture references from then have just got more and more frequent peep show broad city deadpool film and i read a vice article saying that 2020 was like pegging was one of the biggest tiktok trends with the hashtag hashtag peg all men 2020 featuring regularly so mum our fingers are on the pulse Mm. we're talking about what's current and so let's hear from an expert in the pegging game top sex columnist at men's health relationship columnist at queer majority and the boy slut himself zachary zane (laughs) zach how are you doing great thank you so much for uh having me on the show here thank you so much for joining us zach for people that don't know where can people find you and, and what do you do uh sure yeah so i'm a sex and relationship writer and as you mentioned i have the column at men's health and i write for queer majority as well but i've been published in the new york times washington post rolling stone gq cosmo everywhere and i recently started a i turned my newsletter into publications that's what boy slut is and it publishes first person nonfiction erotica things that have happened to you IRL. And the idea behind it is it's not just kind of like sexy for the sake of being sexy. It's something that you learn about yourself through the sexual journey, or it speaks to something about society and culture at large. So feel free to submit to that. And we pay $150 an article if it gets accepted. So that's, uh, that's pretty much me here. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. And today, because I found you from a website called B-Vibe, because we wanted to talk about pegging today because i watched some of your videos from that website and stuff could you tell us what pegging is sure so pegging kind of at its simplest is just when you have like a harness with a dildo so that's what one partner has and then they use it to peg is the word but you know penetrative sex with their other partner and so pegging is something that's common you know between lesbian relationships or same-sex relationships among women Often it's pegging is for people who don't have a penis, but there are certain like pegging devices where you can put kind of a larger peg or almost dildo over your penis if you have a smaller penis or something like that. It's also becoming more and more common among women to peg men. So it could be a straight woman pegging a straight man, a gay woman pegging a straight man, whatever it is. But we're seeing more and more of that recently. One of the things that I think a lot of people think about with pegging, I mean, I know that when we've spoken about before on the podcast, it's been a straight woman and a straight guy. And people always say, what's in it for the pegger? When it's a straight woman and a straight guy, like if it, there's nothing, at least when you first think about it, that is in it for the woman, so to speak. So what is in it for the person who's doing the pegging? Yeah, I mean, there's so much. It can often be like an element of dominance, an element of control. Mm -hmm. As a woman, you're used to often being more submissive during sex. Not always, but that definitely can be something that happens. You're also used to having something inside of you all the time. Mm. So it can feel more powerful 
and more controlling to be the more dominant person, to finally be putting your quote unquote dick or penis inside of someone else. There's also some just like psychological arousal from the role reversal. Not always, it's not like inherent in it, but there can be elements of like kind of humiliating the bottom, uh, that the person that's getting pegged. If you can kind of do these like forced feminization scenes, these forced femme scenes. So it's kind of like, you know, whatever it's calling the straight guy gay, even though this man is not even actually gay or bi or queer. So there's elements of like humiliation that can go along with it. But I think a lot of it is the power and control that you feel in doing it. But then also it does feel pleasurable. So there are a lot of pegging units where like it actually goes inside the partner's vagina and it can vibrate as well. So it kind of like hooks into the vagina and then you have the penis coming out of it. So they're actually getting like internal and clitoral stimulation while they're pegging their partner. And then some people talk about the fact that it's quite an intimate thing because there is a stigma around it, I think, particularly like you said, for straight men. And we'll talk about that later. But it's quite an intimate thing because I think it still is quite a an out there act. It's definitely not vanilla sex. So it might be intimate to share that with somebody else. Yeah, I, I think pegging can be anything. Almost any sexual act can be anything, but it can be very soft and tender and loving and intimate. And I think that's not often how we think of pegging. We think of it as being more aggressive, more dominant, more something like that. But it, you can just have a very tender pegging experience just because especially if you're a man who's new to having, you know, anything inside of your anus or rectum, it can just feel very intense. It, it can feel very emotional. It can feel very intimate and you're close with your partner. So it can absolutely be anything from a very intense, raunchy, aggressive experience to like a tender lovemaking session. Mm -hmm. And so let's flip the script. What about the Peggy or the bottom? Peggy doesn't yeah. sound right. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what about the bottom? What, what's in it for them? Oh my God, so many things. First of all, just the actual physical stimulation itself. You know, men have a prostate, which is located two to three inches inside of the anus, like in the rectum. And uh, when stimulated, it feels absolutely incredible. And so you often have like these larger full body orgasms that come when you're being pegged or just annually stimulated or getting your prostate milked or whatever it is. So it just feels very good physically. Also, it's a, often an opportunity to be more submissive. It's an opportunity to not be the dominant one, kind of be the person that lies there and takes the dick. And that's just a different feeling. Again, if you're into someone who's into humiliation, you can incorporate humiliation into this. Also, it's really fun to see how turned on your partner gets because, you know, the women who have pegged me absolutely love it. They love that feeling of control. And I love being able to give that to them. I love being able to give them that experience. It's pleasurable for me seeing how turned on I have my partner get. So in that regards, it's like psychologically arousing, physically feels good. And then it's feels good because you're a generous lover and you're uh, love seeing your partner get off the way that she is. Yeah. And so it sounds like the sort of the same for both, isn't it? In a way. Yeah. yeah. So who do you think is more likely to to mention it first? Do you think it's women or men? Uh, it's, it depends. It, it really depends on your level of comfort. I think there's often a lot of shame and insecurity for men to bring it up. They don't want their partner to think that they are secretly gay. I think that's a very common misconception or secretly bi. I mean, I, as a sexologist, I've heard so many stories of people being like, hey, I tried to get my partner and tell them I'm into anal play. And they were like disgusted. They assumed I was gay. And in many situations, even broke up with them, wow. which is very sad. Wow. So I think there's a lot of uh, hesitancy on behalf of men saying it. 
I think women will feel more comfortable bringing it up and saying it because it's less, that doesn't necessarily say anything about them. It doesn't have that same, it's not you're like, oh, this woman's actually gay because she wants to peg me and lesbians peg each other. That that connotation doesn't exist. Mm. So at that point, it's the woman bringing it up and trying to, you know, gently cajole or convince their partner, hey, I think this is something that'd be fun for you too. Also, I think this is something that would be really fun for me. So could you at least try it for me? So I guess actually answering your question, I think women are more likely to bring it up. Well, <laughs> let's dive into this then, because this is something that I've seen a lot as well, is people saying, oh, I'm into pegging. Does that mean I'm gay? What answer do you have for that? It's, do you have a prostate inside your rear end? Yes, you do. And you have that regardless of whether you are gay, straight, bisexual, or anything. I mean, it is a matter of anatomy. It is a matter of physiology. And then a sexual act in and of itself just doesn't make you gay or bi or anything. It is your attractions. You know, are you attracted to men? That, that would be the biggest indicator if you were gay. Mm. Not, I like the sensation of having something in my rear end because it like physiologically feels very good because there's so many nerve endings in my prostate. And I, I think we just have such a connotation of any form of anal being gay. And I honestly think as... We're seeing like less homophobia. Obviously, homophobia still very much exists, but it's significantly better than it was 60 years ago. I think there's no question about that. Mm. And as we're seeing less homophobia and more men feeling comfortable embracing their masculinity, I think that's also why we're seeing a rise in pegging. If, if we had the same amount of homophobia as we did 60 years ago, there's no way we would have been able to see this rise in pegging. So you mentioned the rise of pegging there. Like, how do you get into pegging? Uh, sure. So I was bi, well, I still am bi, but I just come out as bi. But like, I tried bottoming once for a guy and just really did not like it kind of because I did everything wrong. Like I was clenching, I was in pain, I had a douche. So I was convinced I was shitting on his dick, even though I wasn't. And like, if you think you're shitting on someone's dick, it's not going to be a fun time. Uh, and it was just very painful, not enjoyable. I had like a fissure the next day. I didn't use enough lube and it was like wiping my asshole was bloody. I'm like, yeah, no, no part of this is enjoyable for me. Yeah. I started dating this woman and she was really into anal play on men. And she did it in a way that was actually very kinky. Like the way she would do pegging on men with straight men and calling them like faggot. And, and that's what it was, a humiliation faggot thing. And I'm like, if you peg me and call me a faggot, I'm going to laugh because I am a faggot. Like, like I literally do, like, I fucking fuck men and suck dick all day long. Like, you're not, like, that's not a insult to me. So we had to kind of switch up how she was going to do it because so much of her pleasure from it was the humiliation. But I told her I didn't want to do it. And she's like, Zach, you're bi. Like, come on. Like, this is half of the reason why I'm dating you. You should be into this. And with her, she was the one who got me kind of into it because I tried to like finger myself in the bathroom and she's like, you're doing this wrong. So then she started like fingering me and then using toys and kind of through her and considering she was an experienced pro, I absolutely loved it. We kind of started pegging through that and it was so funny. It ended up becoming a Pandora's box that only she wanted to open because now every time we'd have sex, they'd like stick something up my ass. I want this <laughs> orgasm feeling good. And she was like, fuck, like I'm just, I'm trying to get fucked here without you, you know, without this work here. I'm like, this is on you. You're the one who pushed this and now you have to deal with the consequences. So that was kind of how I kind of got into pegging through that. And since then, I don't know, we've been pegged 
not a, a ton of times by eight or 10 different women mm. repeated times for some of them sometimes one times thing i think in the past two weeks i've gotten pegged twice actually at various sex parties this is exactly why we got you on the podcast you're the perfect person to <laughs> yeah. talk to about this oh my god i was bad though i took this huge like comically large peg that was like 10 inch and thick and i was drawing oh. it and like oh. it felt amazing until after it does like I'm going to hate myself tomorrow. <laughs> so that said, don't be me. Do as I say, not as I do. You know, make sure to use a ton of lube and go slow and all of that stuff like comes with any anal pleasure. But, you know, obviously I should not be doing this. But uh, also just a way of just being like, hey, if it does happen, not the end of the world, you'll live and be fine. But, you know, do the correct things. You know, try, don't take a 10-inch dick if you haven't bottomed and to a week which is what i did and that was dumb but uh don't regret it was an amazing sexual experience (laughs) came came extremely hard so i'm a happy camper but you know be smarter than me uh i'll say that so yeah i was my next question was tips on doing it safely we've covered a few there you know like obviously lube don't go too big things like that but like you know, if you're the person who's pegging, keep checking in. Any other tips? Like- yeah, so I mean, it's the same tips you would do for any form of anal pleasure. Yeah. So it's the thing, if you've never really bottomed before, I wouldn't recommend taking a 6 inch chick to start. I'd start with smaller toys. I'd start with your fingers. I'd have them start with their fingers. Before that, you know, have them rim you. Make sure to be very aroused by the time you are getting pegged. And that's with all anal penetration whatsoever it's very difficult to relax and feel pressure if you're not aroused mm. so i always be like make sure you are hard make sure you're stroking yourself off first for five minutes you feel great aroused then you can go ahead and get pegged if you start it before kind of the arousal sinks in it's going to be very painful do not clench make sure to breathe if anything hurts stop wait go again apply more lube For anal play, I always recommend silicone lube and oils. However, for pegging, that's kind of difficult because most pegs are made from um, like a high-grade silicone material. And if you use silicone lube on a silicone material, it's going to erode the actual material. So you can't use a silicone lube on silicone materials or silicone pegs. So at that point, use water-based lube. And of course, just check in with your partner and that type of stuff. So for safer sex, I guess you you might suggest using a condom. So would that make it easier to 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 use silicone lube on the top if you if you did that? I did not think about that. Uh, yeah, if you have a condom all the way on it and it's not actually touching the toy itself, you can use silicone lube on top yeah. of the condom. I mean, especially if you're going to be taking it to sex parties and using it with different people, condoms probably a good idea. No, yeah. no, no, no. That is no. It's definitely you know like if you are pegging multiple, you should not be going from one butthole to another butthole. You know, you're transferring bacteria or a vagina. Um, yeah. Or, or definitely do not do that yeah. uh, unless if you really, really want a UTI. <laughs> at which point then you can do that but no no you definitely should be washing it in between yes hygiene is important here yeah. washing it in between condoms are good if uh you're using it with multiple people even if you're not using it with multiple people it's not a bad not a bad idea here you might make it slip in easier i don't know but yeah some people suggest if it's your first time going on top and controlling the depth and that sort of thing which might make it easier for some people especially if they're nervous Mm. about their first time i mean in fact i'm thinking that if you were the guy suggesting it to your partner to a female partner they might be quite nervous about it might need quite a lot of sort of preparation and reassurance and help the first time and and be quite worried about hurting the guy as well yeah I mean, and that's what it always comes down to proper communication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the thing, the difference between pegging and when you're getting fucked by someone who has a penis attached to them, 
if you slip out while you're topping, you know that because mm. it is your penis is connected to mm. your body. You feel sensations. You do not know that when you are pegging, you don't know yeah. exactly how deep you are. You don't feel that like, Oh, I felt that pop in your bat hole open up. So it requires even more communication when you're pegging versus just regular mm. like anal sex, just because you can't feel the penis. You know mm. what I mean? It's, it's not yours. So that that's usually an indicator. Things are too dry you can know it's too dry because you feel it on your dick and there's not enough lube. Uh, you don't know that when pegging. So because of that, there are some like additional challenges that go along with it. So even more communication is necessary for that. And being the bottom, you need to be vocal. Yeah. You know, like, yes, the top should be checking in, but if you don't feel comfortable being like more lube or slow down or like, mm. you know, often I just like, while entering, I hold the base of the dick, right? So then you control it exactly how much is going inside of you. Yeah. And that way you can stop there, do that. Of course, the penetrating partner, the top, they should communicate, but like you're a grown ass man about to be pegged. You need to be vocal here. Mm. Mm. Makes sense. Earlier, I read, right, apparently there's two parts of the anus as well there's like the outer bit and there's like the bit that's further in and the outer bit you can relax that with your mind like that's just about relaxing but yeah. the body bit it's that is all about you clenching and stuff and that is way harder to relax but apparently if you relax your throat for some reason that helps relax that second bit if you open your gut apparently there's that makes sense actually Are you just doing it right yeah, this second that's exactly yeah. what I, so i was like yeah. i was listening to it and i was like and i tried it and i was like i feel like that worked it, yeah <laughs> which is really weird because yeah because when you're tightening up your throat and that's the you, thing you tighten your throat yeah so if so if you're nervous and you're like <gasps> breathing and you tighten your throat yeah, yeah. that's not going to help yeah so that is also maybe a little cheeky tip yeah it's a good tip I, i've never heard or read that and i think i mean what it is it's just a, i think a various way to relax right mm. so it's mm. like if you focus there helps relax your anus like so that works too whatever helps you relax mm. do it <laughs> you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection blue nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We've talked about like whether pegging, you know, makes you gay or whatever. But that aside, do you think that there's just a negative stigma around pegging anyway? Oh, absolutely. I wish pegging wasn't considered taboo or kinky. Mm. But the fact that it still is shows that there's still some stigma around it. Because, you know, even just how we define taboo, it's like anything outside the mainstream norm, anything that's different. And I'm just like, well, this is some of the ways that, you know, some people can only have penetrative sex. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it should not be considered kinky or taboo. I don't think it necessarily should be, but it still is. And of course, if it was not considered kinky taboo, we would not be here. There would be no point for education and not be dispelling stereotypes or saying you're not gay or your partner's not that, whatever it is. But um, 
has it gotten better? Oh, absolutely. But no, we still have a long way to go. Mm. And how do you think we tackle the stigma? I mean, education, mm. obviously, is like the main big one. I obviously have like sex education taught things besides where are the fallopian tubes and like mm. a, an anatomy lesson that would, I don't I still don't even know where those are. And that's a, the only thing I learned in sexual health. <laughs> so I think, you know, if we have a focus on pleasure as well, as opposed to just STI prevention or pregnancy prevention, I think that'd be crucial. Also, just talking about it more. I, I, I think that's what it is. Because even when you read stuff online, it's helpful. It is very helpful and huge. But talking to someone about it in person and being like, oh, this other person is going through the same thing that I am is good. So feeling more comfortable just to be vocal and expressing your desires. And the more people express their desires and their interest in doing this, the more we realize, oh, this is actually a very common desire. Because mm. I think that's the one thing I've learned being a sex educator, being a sex columnist is just like, you are not special or unique in your sexual desires at all. No matter how kinky you are, no matter if you are asexual or demisexual or presexual or whatever it is, there are literally millions of people like you. And so much of this fear comes from feeling that you are alone, you are different, you are deviant, you are perverted. Well, it's like, well, if you're deviant or perverted, so too are 100 million people who have the same kink or fetish. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I really don't think you can call something kinky or diverted when it's literally the norm. Yeah, and when you've got a, a, an organ that experiences sexual pleasure, when you've got a prostate, it seems awfully sad not to use it. Yeah, this is what I say to men too who are convinced. I'm like, do you like sex? Yeah. Do you want to have the most sex pleasurable? Yes. Mm. Then you should do this. And like, well, no, then you should do this. Well, I then you should do this. Mm. This is 100% what you should do if you want to have the most pleasurable sex possible. And you may have reservations, whatever it is. But if your goal is to do that, then you're missing out on an incredible opportunity. It's interesting as well when you talk about a whole body orgasm, because it's not something I suppose women tend to particularly think about because they have them anyway. So it's, you know, it's really interesting to imagine that it might well bring you a lot closer because you're having more of a similar experience. It is. Potentially simultaneously, if, if you're both getting off at the same time. I mean, it, it actually sounds more reliably pre pleasurable for women than, than regular penis and vagina intercourse and that speaks to kind of also one thing we didn't discuss is kind of the empathy that i think men have after getting pegged yeah i think once a guy gets pegged uh he's not going to be jackhammering a person without lube immediately without foreplay because if that happened to him he'd be in a lot of pain and realizing that this sucks yeah so i think often the people who do get pegged tend to be better more generous more communicative and just better lovers in general, because you have that sense of empathy. Also, you realize how it's a, at least for me and for many men too, it's a much more emotionally intense experience being filled as opposed to just sticking your dick into something. Mm. So realizing how a little bit more vulnerable and emotional you feel also gives the empathy for like not kicking out a one night stand because I think it's unlikely that a man's gonna get pegged the first time and be like okay peace bye thank you like no he's gonna want to stay and cuddle a little bit because mm. he realizes it's a more intense experience so I think it really offers yeah I, I think it makes you a better lover but also kind of equals the playing field a little bit, which I think is so important and so necessary. Do you know what I wonder about as well? I wonder if it's not so much 
Uh, well, it is the act that puts a lot of men off. I mean, they might just be scared. But I wonder about the vulnerability as well. When you talk mm-hmm. about the, the sense of intimacy, the sense of vulnerability, I think that's very scary. And it doesn't go with masculinity, does it? Being vulnerable or or maybe being hurt, even if it doesn't go well, you know, all, all of that. And being too close. If, if, if you're going to increase intimacy, there are lots of people that find that very scary in itself. So there's lots of reasons for avoiding it, I suppose, for some men. It's, and you know, I've spoken about women for men's health about why um they like being pegged Mm. and it's a lot of them are just like i love the vulnerability and intimacy of the man that comes from it in a way that it doesn't typically happen when they're penetrating me Mm. so on top of the fear of being perceived as gay or submissive or that also the fear of physical pain the fear of potentially pooping and the embarrassment that comes Mm. with that there's also then the fear of intimacy, the fear mm. of closeness, the fear of connection that many women, many non-binary people struggle with. But I, I think it really men, cis men tend to struggle with it more. There's a great video again of yours on how we ask or approach our partners to try. Do you have any tips for that? Like if someone's listened to this and they think, I mean, what he's saying about the prostate sounds amazing. Oh, I'd love to try this, my partner. Or a girl's like, you know what? Getting in control, being vulnerable with my partner. I'd love to try that. Do you have any tips for broaching it with your with your partners? Uh, send them this podcast. I, I think it's the <laughs> yeah. first thing yeah. that you can do. Good plan. But, but j- jokes aside, I, I think it's always helpful to introduce a piece of like medium or content just be like hey i read this interesting piece on pegging you know mm-hmm. I, I really didn't know anything about it I, uh, what would you think and that kind of is an indicator that clearly i have a desire without necessarily outright saying i really want you to do this and then from that you know your partner has the correct education so they already you've dispelled these stereotypes if she just said i want to get pegged her fear let's say might just be oh he's gay he's gay he's gay okay, well, now you've read this article that says clearly he is not gay. This is why he wants to do this. Also, here are all the perks for you that Mm -hmm. you get out of it. So you're not just doing it for him. You're doing it for yourself. And this could actually strengthen your relationship and strengthen your connection and level of intimacy with one another. So I think sharing this or something that dispels the stereotypes, what both of you get out of it, which is only good things, is a really helpful way to do it. And then from there, you can kind of have a larger conversation. You don't necessarily start with, I want you to rail me with a 15-inch strap on. You know, it's always the same. Start low, go slow, whatever it is that people always say for these types of things. But being like, hey, you know, I'd be interested in all this prostate stuff. And I think it would be really fun if you'd be into just giving me a prostate massage and see what they say with Mm. that. Sticking a pinky up there. You know, you don't have to go straight to pegging here. And you should not go straight to pegging. Nope. That will be physically painful and you will not be ready and you'll likely shit and it will be very bad. So start with slight little anal stimulation and then slowly progress from there. But I think making sure that they have the knowledge and the information, the education, so that way they don't freak out about what this means for me or what it means about my partner, what it means for me. Zachary, thank you so much for coming on. It's been Ooh. an absolute pleasure. It's been brilliant. Where can people yeah. find you? Sure. The best way, I mean, Instagram and Twitter is always solid. And I'm Zachary Zane underscore. The underscore is at the end. Some punk has Zachary Zane. And it's very annoying. Yeah. Also, Boyslide. If you literally just Google Boyslide, it'll be the first three things that come up. You'll see the publication. 
definitely read that. That's a lot of fun. Also, every week I write my column for Men's Health. So just Googling Zachary Zane is good and also ZacharyZane.com. But honestly, Instagram and Twitter are the best ways to uh, stay in touch with me, see the type of work I'm doing, and definitely sign up for the newsletter publication and do that stuff. Bam. Thank you so, so much. Brilliant. Awesome. Talk soon. It's the mailbag. Thank you, queries. Two podcasts at hatch.com. It's the mailbag. Thank Kate Queries podcast at Hatchick with two T's. Hello there. I have a query for Kate. I would like to know when the real sex education mailbag starts. The real sex education mailbag starts right now. Thank you. Thank you so much to Zach for such a great and comprehensive overview on pegging. I mean, it was so, so good. You can follow him on Instagram, ZacharyZane underscore, or go to ZacharyZane.com. All of that will be in the show notes, along with a further reading and watching list, including instructional stuff on how-tos for pegging and a fantastic video from the wonderful women at Come Curious for if you want to hear from the perspective of the pegger. It's a great little story about going to Amsterdam just to peg someone, so check that out. Right, mum. I know you're excited about this as much as I am. It's the return of our mailbag. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries. Each episode, we give listeners the chance to ask Kate, an accredited sex and relationships therapist, any sex or relationship questions they have. You can send in your questions to podcast at hatchet.com or DM us on Instagram at realsexedpod. And just say, and we will keep your anonymity safe. So, Mm mum, here's the first question back of series three. And it's a science bit of philosophy. It's perfect. It's from the Instagram and someone called Zoe. They've asked, is post-nut clarity real? What? (laughs) Have you... (laughs) I thought this would be a good one to ask. So, have you heard of post-nut clarity? No. Right. So, there is a phenomenon, an idea, Mm. called post-nut clarity, which basically, and it's more centred around men, although it has been also attributed to women, where basically men, after they've ejaculated, Mm. they have a sense of clarity, clear thought, they can think rationally, they can think straight. So, online, the discourse and the memes about it and stuff are basically things like, you know, if you want to make a big financial decision, masturbate first, then make the decision, etc. Because you you think with a clearer head. However, there's also people that think some men talk about the fact that they'll have sex with someone and immediately after they've had sex with them, they'll get this post-nut clarity and they'll go, oh dear, I don't know if I like this person at all. Have you heard of this? Is this real? Because this person obviously wants to know, is that a real thing? There's an awful lot of been written already about people changing opinions about their partner after sex. And mm. um, that's, that's definitely a thing. Because what you're motivated to do and what you're interested in before sex is, you know, sex. I mean, that, mm. that's what you want. And when you've had it, obviously things change. So you might not be quite as interested in your partner after you've got what you want, basically. Mm. Mm. But whether whether it enables you to make um, a million pound deal, I really don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we talked about particularly masturbation. People use it to calm down. Yeah, people, you know, so people and reset. Use it in, so yeah. yes, so from so that point ma- of view. So maybe there could be. Something but whether it means whether it's an empty ball sack, really, um, if you like, that, yeah. that does that. Whether it's ejaculating that does that, or just that the hormone balance in the body is reset by an orgasm. 
Mm. That's a different thing. Because ejaculation and orgasm aren't actually the same thing. Mm. You can ejaculate without orgasming and you can orgasm without ejaculating. Yes. So yeah. they, they quite often happen at the same, most of the time they happen at the yeah. same time, but they're not the same thing. So it would be interesting. That's something I obviously need to go away and do a bit of research on. So what do you think then? Just based on not doing any research on it, but off the top of your head, do you think that post-nut clarity is a real thing? It might be an individual thing. Mm. Let's say if people think they experience it, then who am I to argue? That's their truth. Mm. That's their reality. That's their clarity. Yeah. Fantastic. But I don't think it should be used to coerce somebody into having sex with you. You know, I'm going to lose this three million pound deal if you don't have sex with me. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine that's just Wall Street. It's just a massive orgy. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, let's get some clarity on this next question, which is from our emails. This person would prefer to remain anonymous and they write, my 16-year-old daughter wants to have her boyfriend to stay. I'm not comfortable with it. She's angry and upset with me. How do I explain my decision? So is this person her dad or her mum? Do you know? I don't know. Because it might make a bit of a difference because... um... Well, let's answer for both. Well, okay. I think either way, whichever you are, a mum or a dad or a brother or sister or an uncle or an aunt, how you personally feel is quite important. So I think being honest about not being comfortable with your children growing up Mm -hmm. is often what motivates this. It's not, oh, I'm worried about this child's sexual health or I'm worried about them being taken advantage of. What you're worried about is that they're growing up and they're growing away from you and that somebody else is coming and replacing you. And sex is a sign that that's happening. Because that's the thing, right? I think that's that's what's underlying all this. Basically, you don't want your son or daughter having sex in your house. It is, is, it is just, it, like you say, it, they've grown up it's it's just it's just not the dynamic. Well, no, that's not true, actually. I mean, it, it, uh, I, th- it, I think in this case, because you, you, you don't you, you don't want to imagine it's happening. Well, you don't want to imagine it's happening. Certainly that. Yeah. Um, but if it's going to happen, well, this is what this is the point I was going to make. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not assuming that they're actually having. You know that they'd always be having sex. I mean, they might just be, you know, yeah. playing Minecraft or something. They might not be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Might be like playing oh, all sorts of things. Come round mine and play Minecraft. <laughs> See my, my parents entrance. have let you stay over. Let's play Minecraft in my yeah. room. But if you're going to be having sex, it's much safer to be having it under your parents' roof than it is to be round the back of, you know, an alley in in a car. Somewhere, somewhere where you're not safe. Yeah, listen, that's what I was going to say. I was going to speak to these parents and say, listen, I was their age, but, well, this is quite long ago now, like nine, ten years ago, but still, there were people in my year who, you know, their boyfriends and girlfriends weren't allowed to stay around their house mm. for this very reason. And let me tell you, that didn't stop them having sex. Mm. If anything, they did it in weirder places, in less nice situations. Yeah, I, I personally would say... They're 16 years old. Let them stay in the room. It's not going to be happening all the time. Obviously, as mum said, they're going to be playing a lot of Minecraft. (laughs) But there may be five or ten minutes where they set aside for something else. But it's like you just, unfortunately, it's actually better in the long run. It's not going to stop them from having sex if they can't do it in your house. They're going to do it elsewhere. And they'll think you're rad as well. You'll get loads of plus points with your daughter if you say, oh, your boyfriend can stay. That's just my 10 cents. As a parent, you'll probably feel very differently. Well, it, it, it's about, I mean, I think it's tr- true that it's helpful to be honest about how you're really feeling. And if you are a bit, a bit overwhelmed by the fact that your kids are growing up, if it's more that 
than the other stuff, then maybe it's fair to say to your child, oh, you know, it's 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 a stab to the heart that you're growing up and having sort of adult relationships. And then it's very easy to talk about things like contraception, safer sex. And just to be clear about that kind of thing, it's up to you to make sure that they're properly equipped. It's up to you as a parent to make sure they know about safer sex, that they know about contraception, that they are responsible. And also maybe to check out, do you want to be doing this? You're not being coerced into it, that sort of thing. Mm. All of those things are really important, but you can't have those conversations unless you've got an open dialogue. If you're the kind of parent that says, I want obedience from my children, I'm not having it in this house. What Mm. will happen is that they'll put up a barrier, they'll give you the impression that they're absolutely being obedient because that's what you're demanding and Mm. behind the scenes I absolutely promise you they'll be having sex drugs and goodness knows what else so and Minecraft potentially yeah (laughs) yeah oh no Mm. but I think that is so magical when you said just then you know sitting your son or daughter down and being honest and being like listen it's it's hard for me as well to like see you grow up and all this sort of stuff and being Mm. honest in that way and then talking about all the other stuff about uh, you know, that open dialogue and stuff. Wouldn't that be, isn't, that is surely the pinnacle. That's the kind of conversations you want to be having. But you need to then treat your kid like an adult and you need to treat them like an equal by being quite vulnerable with them and, and speaking that truth. And I think everyone will come away from that and be better off if you did that. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much again to Zachary Zane for the deep dive on pegging. Thank you to Kate Campbell for not making our Zoom call with him awkward for her son. Uh, Thank you guys so much again for all your questions. And thank you so much for listening. And make sure you're subscribed because we'll have some more real sex education for you in the same place next week. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Diggory Waite, and the executive producer is Andy Goddard. The Real Sex Education is a hat-trick podcast. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Diggory does wish his mother was played by Gillian Anderson. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 